Hi, and welcome to Purpose to Perform. I am Dr. Jo Brown, APA-titled sports and exercise physiotherapist, mentor, and coach. And this is a new podcast dedicated to high performance for anyone who's up for it. Driven by purpose, join me as we dive deep and explore what it takes to be a high performer, integrate and assimilate cutting-edge evidence, learn from experienced experts in all aspects of high performance and ultimately inspire your journey into performance. Whether you are an athlete, coach or allied health professional, this podcast is for you. Welcome to my world. Welcome to Purpose to Perform. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to the Purpose to Perform podcast. I'm Dr. Joe Brown, performance coach and sports physiotherapist. And today I'm super stoked to be talking to Johnny Mack or Johnny McMurtry. Is that how I say it with the right accent? McMurtry. 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 Oh, yes. Johnny's the coach of coaches. So Johnny's um, a passionate coach and a real game changer in the way we do coaching. So super excited to have a chat with you today, Johnny. Welcome. Thanks very much. Thanks very much for having me. It's good. You and I are both coaches and in our previous conversations, we're both very passionate about the direction that coaching is going. And I'd really like to kind of delve into that with you today. And firstly, just kind of take get your take on where coaching is going and where we should be starting to look with what we're doing to be better coaches. Look, I guess COVID's been a real leveler for everyone um, on how we connect both as coaches and, you know, just, just in general as well. So I guess the fundamentals of coaching really haven't changed. I guess maybe, as I say, the past 12, 18 months has really probably shocked the system of mm-hmm. um, how, we, how we possibly can connect and how we can coach. Um, I guess we were leaning heavily on the face-to-face uh, engagement of it and just um, sort of interacting within our sport if that makes sense mm-hmm. and I guess you know I mean just this time apart really is almost why uh, you know I mean woken us up or, or wiped our eyes slightly as yeah well you know there's 101 ways that you know people now are using their spare time we're seeing a lot of people not coming back to organized sport as example so so yeah I guess us as coaches I guess the fundamentals really haven't changed but I get uh, the past say 12 or 18 months maybe has reminded us of what actually is important it's actually important to have you know establish these points of connections have these conversations get to know your athletes not just on a sporting level but just as a person who's standing in front of you um it's a real privilege to be a coach so i guess um i'm hopefully not being unfair and and coaches listening that that was maybe if you go back to you two three years ago i guess maybe we lost sight of you know how much it was to be a privilege as a coach so so i guess now just to really enjoy yourself really connect with you know i mean the athletes who are committing their time as much as you're committing your time obviously but they're committing their time as well to, to be part of the sport so so i guess look the fundamentals really haven't changed but over the past year 18 months as i say you know, i mean it, it's it's reminded us of what's important and I guess now there's there's so many tools, I guess, you know, I mean, like we, we talked about previously, like, you know, if you go back four or five years ago, the idea of you and I sitting down here to have a conversation across the computer screen would be, you know, I mean, not crazy, Ridiculous. but 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 certainly not, yeah, certainly not the norm. But you look at the volume of, that's been really one of the positives is, is the volume of 
coach, you know, I mean, coach ideas share or coaches sharing ideas and, and, and that sharing of information. And again, breaking down some of those boundaries that were sometimes put up between sports as well. So that's been a real positive say of the last 12, 18 months, but, but yeah, I guess, you know, I mean, coming back to your point, like the fundamentals really haven't changed to say anything, but I guess hopefully we're just getting a gentle reminder of it and, and, and yeah, just finding other ways to connect. So, so I guess what I'm taking for that is like nothing's really changed, but the capacity for delivery and our openness to that delivery has changed, which essentially is creating space and opportunity for new relationships across sports and potentially like different interactions happening, which I think can only be good for the evolution and the learning as coaches, correct? Yeah, yeah, I I think so. Yeah, look, uh, again, coming back to the coach education and coach sharing side of things, look, there's there's been a real almost global community of practice, you know, the the idea of Zoom chats and a lot of webinars and podcasts and and these types of things just evolving through time, through lack of being unable to travel, being unable to share face to face. So there's actually been a real, um, you know, the sporting world's really embraced it and a lot more sharing. So, and, and hopefully from that, I think we're starting to again appreciate, you know, I mean, what a privilege it is to, to be able to coach athletes, to be able to stand in front of them and, and again, just in, enjoy coaching. You know, again, let, let's, you know, not ha- hanging our hats on certain medals, certain competitions or whatever, just, just on, you know, being able to compete, uh, be it, you know, I mean, on a local, regional, you know, national sort of scale um, is, is again, a blessing, you know, I mean, that we haven't been sort of allowed to have over the past 12 to 18 months. So, so hopefully the enjoyment of coaching or, or, or yeah, just, just that passion for coaches is coming back. And, and again, hopefully they're just attuned to their athletes of, again, uh, like we're going to talk about, there's been a lot of dropout, burnout, whatever it might be. So, yeah, you know, I mean, having, being able to coach, you know, I mean, particular athletes is, is really, you know, it's great to see and, and, and sharing these ideas is awesome. So. And like you said earlier, you were talking about our athletes, you know, they're humans first. And I think COVID has really taught us that. And there's been so much come out in the media and around a lot of athletes and their struggles through this COVID time. And I think we're all starting to recognise that importance of athletes' mental health and, as you mentioned, you know, the burnout factor amongst them. Yeah, for sure. Like, like, again, even my, my research actually started before COVID, but again, it was just trying to flag the idea, like you're talking about, of getting to know these these players as individuals, you know, I mean, getting to understand of why they're involved in their sport. So, and it was it was interesting to actually grab some of the data and then see how important and see how much correlation would actually go through post-COVID as well. And again, the same principles lie. It's, it's, it's trying to understand the person that's in front of you, trying to understand why they're involved in the sport, what motivates them. Like you and I talked about, you know, trying to find the athlete's why as an example, you know, why they're involved in sport, why they, why they you know, pick this particular sport over uh, another sport as an example. Um, so again, that you can not necessarily, you know, you can coach to their, to their needs, essentially, um, you know, coach to, to what they want or need from the sport or their, you know, I mean, why they're involved in it. So, so again, understanding that athlete as a person or an individual is, is extremely important. It has been important for, for many, many years, but I guess, yeah, the past 12 to 18 months has really uh, almost, you know, reminded us of this fact. So to, to try and double down and, and understand these athletes. So. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, we're so much more aware of getting to know and understand our athletes. And I talk about four pillars of performance and the first one being your purpose and perceptions, which is essentially really knowing your why and having absolute clarity around that. And we know that 
when we look at all the high performers in the world, whether it be in sport or in business, they have that absolute clarity of their why. And like you're saying, from your research, I think it's a really great you know, avenue to be looking at is really, you know, asking those questions is what, what is their why? Do they know it? And how can we develop that process? So tell us a little bit about your research and what you found out. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Um, yeah, my research is that it started uh, pre-COVID. Um, so it was about three or four years ago I started. It was actually, I have a, a now 19-year-old son who dropped out of rugby twice. So um, I was coaching you know, a fair bit around Brisbane and, and, and Queensland age grade sides. And again, I just felt there was this missing link of, you know, why these fellas were involved in their sport and, and looking at this transition age, you know, I mean, we're talking 17, 18, 19, when they're starting to leave school, there was this massive dropout. And I, I guess I, I was just trying to fight with myself of, you know, I mean, why this was happening, were, were we aware of why they're actually involved um, or interested or wanted to stay within the sport? Um, so I was fortunate enough to uh, approach Rugby Australia. They're interested in the idea of research um, UQ, um, I've, great advisors and Stephen Wren, Cliff Mallet, um, who supported me right the way through. And as I say, Robbie's really actually gave me access to all the Super Rugby franchises. And um, so we questioned all the fellas who are involved in the age grade sides, the under 20 sides. So all the players within uh, between 18 to 20 years of age. Um, and we just, we asked them, so what they're typically trying to achieve. So again, coming back to your idea of the why. So we wanted to understand what are they typically trying to achieve or, or what's their almost ritual, ritualistic responses, um, mm -hmm. uh, both in sport and away from sport. So again, trying to understand this person, you know I mean? This person who's, who's there again, yes, they've committed to rugby, but we want to understand what actually motivates them and, and you know I mean? What they're giving up essentially when they're, they're away from sport or, or what motivates them when they're away from the rugby field to, to give them this nice rounded picture. So it was interesting. Like we, we got some really good, strong trends of these players, um, particularly within their sport. So it was a very intrapersonal focus. So again, it was not, not so much. Um, it was interesting to, to, to show the results to coaches because there was very little talk of uh, winning or certain competition success. As an example, it was very much an individualized focus or um, of what was important to them. Ultimately, they wanted to make themselves a better person, better player for being involved in rugby. Um, and interestingly, look, the, the, a lot of the idea of fun and enjoyment, all that type of language was actually used away from sport. The, the most common term used within sport was improve. You know, the, they had this desire to step into both a high-performance environment. We did it at two stages in the season, so during the high-performance section and when they actually returned to community or club rugby. And again, the, the you know the, the the data that was found was was fairly much the same. It was um, again they're just trying to they're stepping into a sport. You know, I mean the rugby arena to try and prove something that's important to themselves to try and make themselves better. So so again, it was interesting to see that. So it, and again, it was to try and offer Rugby Australia and even the community coaches for that age of player of. You know, this is how we need to structure the environment, as we said, to, to allow the players to find their why to support them to some degree, um, but allow them to you know be involved in in a capacity that they want to be involved in. So, so yeah, look, it, it, you know, I mean, super interesting, and it's something that I'm hopefully going to extend on. As you know, like I said, that this transition athletes of an age of um, athlete or age of player that I'm particularly interested in, because as I say, I've seen it, my son's dropped out and a lot of his friends have, you know, I mean, dropped out of organized sport after exiting school. So it is a, um, some, a type of research that I want to extend, you know, I mean, hopefully in the PhD next year as well. Um, so yeah, like it, it was interesting, but it, it, it gives us a real clear picture of, you know, I mean, why these fellows are actually involved in sports. So. And I think the interesting 
point you bring up there is there's one thing to know their why and know why they're playing their sport, but then the other is like how we keep them connected to it and as coaches, how we do that. And that's probably, like you say, the bigger question and probably what Rugby Australia wants to know right now is how do we keep these guys playing rugby or how do we keep these young kids in those sporting environments, which we know is going to, you know, essentially make them better, stronger, higher-performing people in the end. Yeah, that's it. And again, that's the, that's the complex nature of coaching. At the end of the day, we are coaching individuals. We are coaching, you know, I mean, uh, getting this data is almost the easy part. You know, asking the questions, it's then exactly as you said, it's our actions of coaches afterwards, you know, I mean, or, or, or what we do as a coaching group to, as you said, engage them. You know what I mean? It, it's, we, can, we can know that they play for certain reasons. We can know that they play to, you know, I mean, give a representation of themselves to be connected to the group. But it's then our coaching behaviours after getting that information is the really important part and, and the really complex part as well. You know, I mean, context is key. But again, us as coaches need to be sufficiently tooled or, or have that experience to try and you know, I mean, offer them environments or offer them um, an engaging atmosphere where we can offer them something that they're trying to seek from the sport. And it's hard. You know, I mean, that's that's in the, in the most honest possible way. It is hard and it is complex. So but you're dead right. You know, I mean, understanding this and trying to link it to their wise is critically important. So. And I like what I'm hearing is, you know, them understanding and knowing their why and as coaches as trying to you know change or implement strategies to keep them connected to it is one thing but the other thing I think is really important particularly for this age group is potentially changing the language around it because they're so influenced by young language at that age Oh, like language behaviors as well. You know, I mean, there is, um, particularly for some of these players coming through and year 12, you know, I mean, within certain schools, certain competitions and whatever, there is this idea of win at all costs. You know, I mean, they are, it's their final chance to represent their school as an example. You know, I mean, for a lot of the, the players, you know, I mean, particularly across Queensland, New South Wales, if they're in a GPS competition, there's really high expectation. And, and you know, that, that comes from all corners. You know, I mean, it comes from coaches, supporters, and what, you know, I mean, whoever else might be involved in it so as you said that you know the, the language that's used around it you know i mean can have a really uh, detrimental sort of viewpoint from the players you know I mean, if they mm. if they see and feel this idea of results is the only thing that matters then you know i mean if they don't get the results or they don't see um you know these improvements that are important to other people as opposed to important to them then that can have a detrimental effect and, and can ultimately see them dropping out of rugby and this this you know i mean this is what i was trying to find out and you know, hopefully more questioning and more investigation of, of you know of these types of athletes will try to get a better understand of what language can affect them or what environments can encourage them but yeah, you're, you're dead right. The idea of, you know, I mean, what language you use or what behaviors you display as a coach or, or other people around that, that, that coaching group can have a massive impact on, on the engagement and ultimately participation of these players for sure. And you mentioned earlier about your son and him dropping out a few times from rugby. And obviously I can hear the passion of your voice around <laughs> rugby, rugby union. Yes. Um, yeah. But I guess... Like, what's the element of that that is related to burnout? So at what point do we, you know, diagnose or start calling it burnout in these young athletes? Yeah. 
It's a good question. Look, there's a lot of research obviously out there for burnout as well. And I guess there's uh, people hear burnout or, you know, general people hear burnout and they think of this physical exhaustion, but there's so much more of the mental side and the mental elements too, which I'm sure you've seen, you know, I mean, you're coaching as well. It's the idea of the you know, depersonalization, um, lack of motivation, lack of achieving goals that are important to them as an example. And um, that, that emotional exhaustion that, you know, that we're kind of talking about again, this, this idea of language where they could possibly get exhausted from, you know, I mean, certain results or certain things not going their way as well. So there's this massive mental and uh, emotional side, which leads to burnout, which, which again is, you know, I mean, sometimes overlooked. Um, and again, yeah, that can you know possibly come from the language used, or the bit you know the behaviour seen or whatever. But and again, look, we're we're possibly being unfair to coaches there as well because again, we're talking about this transition athlete, and you think they're you know year twelve and and school sport, it's fairly regimented and it's fairly well organised, and then all of a sudden they they turn you know they, they leave school and there's so much choice and there's so much else going on. You know, they might be starting uni, starting a trade. You know I mean, all of a sudden they have different ways. This organized element of sport has some somewhat fallen away. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on, you know, they're, they're you know, I mean, stepping into adulthood, a lot more responsibilities potentially. So, so sport, you know, I mean, can sometimes step on the back burner as well. So again, it's, it, you know, I mean, understanding, you know, trying to reduce these ideas of depersonalization or, or mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that emotional element to it. And, and again, asking the questions, having those conversations, understanding why they're involved in their sport. Again, uh, some of these fellows, when they step into say a cold environment where it's uh, it's club and, you know, I mean, they're trying to uh, just, just be part of a group. You know, I mean, all this instability, they're just trying to find, be part of a group or, or, or connect with someone or something. We, we as coaches got to you know, have these conversations, ask these questions so that we're not trying to push them you know, done a performance avenue when they're just looking for a participation avenue or vice versa, obviously. So, so yeah, it's, I, I guess, you know, I mean, for what you're saying, it, again, we hear a lot of this physically, physical exhaustion, but yeah, I guess the, the emotional side and, and that mental side of things can be overlooked and it's extremely important that, you know, that, that we should be aware of. So. Do you think there's like a place for a early intervention or recognizing, you know, these kids that are, you know, at that greater risk of dropping out or burnout, you know, what have you seen in terms of sign, like early signs that we might be able to, you know, look into yeah. further? So there's some there's some really good examples of you know club, rugby clubs across Brisbane and even schools, you know, I mean, who try to integrate so that the, the step is uh, less jarring, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that they, they understand they're stepping from a community into another community. Um, again, understanding um, the player as a whole person, understanding what they do away from the rugby field is critically important because again, then you can connect and you can you can see certain things. Like if a player's off, if they're not engaged or they seem down or, or you know, I mean demotivated or something like that, you can recognize that. Um, and you can understand what's going on in, in home life, you know, so maybe a new girlfriend boyfriend whatever it might be and that that might be causing tension so you as a coach you know if you can create that um deeper connection or understanding of what this you know it's not just a rugby player but you know the person as a whole or what they do on their day-to-day life and again just understanding what what they're trying to get from the sport or what they're trying to do away from the field as well then again, that they'll feel much more connected and, and, and be much more willing to share. Again, that's, that's you know, I mean, we've, it's such a 
masculine sport and the uh, the idea of sharing emotions and talking about these things again is you know i mean you grab that as a you know as a young man you grab that and you shove that down somewhere where nobody can see or talk about it but realistically that's that's a lot of the time that's what these fellas are chasing again because they've stepped from this school environment where they have a lot you know i mean usually a large cohort of friends and you know i mean connections that they've had for you know six seven years whatever it might be exactly and and now they've stepped and they feel very exposed very raw so so yeah for what you're talking about like there is some good examples of clubs around brisbane um Mm -hmm. and again uh, i know rugby australia they do um when when a person steps into the form uh like the professional atmosphere they do like a a welcoming camp or or you know an introduction camp so they can see the other professionals around so again they create these bonds these similar bonds and you know like can have these open honest conversations but yeah it, it really comes down to it comes down to us as coaches you know I mean, again what we started with it's the, having these connections having these conversations and actually you know being engaged and and, and meaningful with our responses as well that, that you know I mean, ultimately that's you know, our responsibility as coaches to try and engage with them on a meaningful level and, and connect so that they can open up and have these conversations and talk to us in, in, in a different way so yeah, and what I'm hearing just as you're answering there is it's I think it's really important to remove that fear of, you know, being scared to throw the, show their true emotions. Like you say, we're dealing with, you know, late teenage boys that are going into manhood and don't want to be seen to be soft or any of those things. But I think if we can encourage these athletes to be actually open with their feelings and trust the people around them with their feelings, they're potentially, you know, going to get more and stay connected to that sport and their why. Yeah. And that's it, sharing honestly as well of, of what's important to them because then if they're open and honest and, and even us as coaches, you know, I mean, we sometimes struggle, to, you know, I mean, to show humility or, or, or even gratitude for, for, you know, I mean, our engagement with, with the players. As an example, if we can show elements of humility, we need to show what we want in return. Um, so if we want the players to be, you know, I mean, humble and, and continue learning and, and ask questions and, and share ideas, then we need to display that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which again, sometimes is hard for coaches because again, we've got a lot going, you know, for the example of rugby union coaches, we might have a squad of say 20 players. So it's, it's almost, we're, we're almost fearful to seem disorganized, seem like we haven't got it under control or whatever as well. So, so again, players respond to that. Um, so that's where you might get this this mask or guarding or whatever. But again, if we're honest about our expectations, you know, I mean, what's important to us, then we'll get the same in return. And then once we get that honesty, you know, I mean, um, or that connection as as you know, I mean, from coach to athlete, then we're going to be able to you know, engage and, and and you know, I mean, almost yeah, push them or or motivate them in the way that they want to be motivated as well. And, you know, design an environment that they're hopefully going to engage in for a long long time and from your knowledge of research is it this a similar problem and from my knowledge i'm pretty sure it is across like all team sports that that really big dropout and that year 12 age group um look yes as as far as i know i've done some reading and that's where again hopefully my future research i'd like to look into other sports and both male and females again mine was predominantly or was was within rugby union and was all male athletes but i'd love to see again if there's some correlation between male female athletes and different sports as well but yeah look there there is obviously that um i've seen some data come out the other day and i wish i had grabbed it but yeah there's i think it was from england you know the participation rates again 
just following through massively from from these um, athletes around this 16 to 18 years of age and has progressively done for the past five or six years. Like if we can, there's 101 things we can blame. You know, we can, especially in England, they can blame the weather. They can blame, mm-hmm. um, you know, the exposure or the, the access to athletes over the past few years as well. But we, and a lot of people don't like me selling this. We're 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 selling a product in ourselves. You know, I mean, we have to make it an engaging product. We have to, we have to give them something that they want to come back for. If that makes sense. So makes you sense. know, we have to, yeah. If we if we want them to engage or if we want them to be part of a program or a team or a club or whatever it might be, then they have to feel this is a fair and genuine representation of them as well. So again, us, you know, I mean, being open, honest and allowing this idea of like almost a transformational leadership style where, you know, we, we listen to them and we're, you know, we're, we're presenting a leadership style or, or, you know, what, what they see um, the team to look like um, through their eyes as well is critically important. And, and again, that, that might've been lost. You know, I mean, go back two or three years ago, again, it was very much results driven and mm-hmm. this is the way, you know, I mean, even the education, this is the way it should be, but now we need to adjust as a coaching, you know, coaching environment or coaching group, you know, I mean, on, on a global scale and go, yeah, that's not enough. We need to respond to, you know, particularly these age grade athletes and keep them involved in any type of sport for as long as we can. So, so basically you're saying the time of ball busting is gone? Uh, I'd love to say, look, <laughs> there's a lot of coaches out there who will um, disagree with me, but look, yeah, I, I, realistically, we're in 2021. There is, as I said, you know, there's 101 ways for 18 year olds to distract themselves and it mm-hmm. may be in healthy or unhealthy ways. So we need to, as I say, we just need to step up our game. You know, I mean, I'm not saying it's this is the right way or the wrong way. I just think this is responding to the type of athlete and the type of, you know, I mean, late adolescent, early athlete, this early adult. This is, you know, this is what they're looking for in the workplace. This is what they're looking for in universities and study. You know, I mean, as an apprentice, they're looking for ideas of, you know, I mean, more autonomy. They want to be heard. They want to be seen. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is and sad that we are growing up with the Facebook culture. That's, you know, they want to feel like they're part of something. So we need to respond to that. We need to adjust to that. So, yeah, so the, but the ideas of ball busting, look, I'm sure there is a time for it, um, especially, you know, I mean, potentially in a high performance. But uh, I think like we talked about last time, it's understanding what's important to them. And then the ball busting side of things is just making it accountable. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. You're just reminding, you're reminding them, well, you said this was important to you. This is what you wanted to achieve. This is the markers you set for yourself. I guess that's possibly the ball busting bit of it. It's it's actually going well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you, a card. You, it's a card you can play, yeah. but it's only part of the deck. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. That's excellent. Yeah, yeah. That's it. So, uh, and again, yeah, it's exp- you're going to show them that's... the ball busting card when they need it. But you know, there's Absolutely. other ways to communicate. Yeah, for sure. And that's a great way to put it. You know, I mean, we just need more more cards in our hand, essentially. We need, you know, I mean, better options to play, you know, I mean, a lot of the time. But yeah, as I say, it's just that idea of, you know, I mean, accountability for this this modern athlete is critically important. So yeah. 100% agree with you. And like that analogy, like I said, of, you know, the stack of cards and if ball busting is one of those cards. And I think it's up to us as coaches to have a full deck of cards to be able to communicate and get across to each and every one of our athletes. And we're not going to be able to communicate the same with every athlete. Just like when I'm in the physio role, I'm not going to achieve the same results with everyone the same exercise. It just doesn't mm. work. We're all individuals. Yeah, that's it. And 
Look, and again, it, that's some of the coaches I've, I've talked with and work with across Brisbane. It's it's that idea of all right, you got to share the load at the end of the day. This is if you're fortunate enough to work as part of a group. It's you know, I mean, getting to know even yourselves as a coaching cohort. What what are you passionate about? What are you strong at? What are you not so strong at? Or or what what do you need help on as well? It's again being you know almost reflective and humble as a coach to go. Well, this isn't my strong suit. You step in. I'll try and learn from you. Again, it's this this idea of constant improvement as a coach as well. But you know, again, gone are the days where, as we said, we should mask. You know, I mean, ourselves or or reduce the number of uh, cards in our hand. As an example, we need to. Again, if we're going to create this uh, better engaging atmosphere for these new athletes coming through, then we need to go, all right, well, what's great? What doesn't work? Uh, and again, speaking to coaches who are less resourced, engage, uh, involving the athletes as well, going, all right, well, which athletes, you know, I mean, study these types of things or are interested, you know, I mean, we're talking about leadership as well. What types of leaderships or what type of leaders do you have in your group? What play, I mean, what players can take control of certain things mm-hmm. that gives you the time and space to then, you know, again, emotionally connect with with the the athletes, which is critically important as a coach. So, so yeah, as you said, you know, again, increasing the number of cards in your hand is critically important, and and still, in, you know, it's increasingly complex as well. You know, I mean, with this with this ever changing and you know what we've had to do from a distance as an example so again it's not easy i'm i'm, I'm hoping i'm not coming across as saying it's easy but yeah look, not it, at it, all, again, no. I, yeah and i feel it's just yeah it's more and more important with these athletes as, as we're going through so and like i always say that you know we expect our athletes to get better and better all the time and so as coaches we do as well you know we've all got to keep evolving and if we're not involving our competition is so yeah, yeah, that's it. And, and Cliff, as again, Cliff Mallet, one of the one of my advisors, like he wrote a paper. It's a few years ago now. Of you know, the the, the idea of a, a super elite coach, and, and that's what they read a lot. They they ask a lot of questions. They're constantly evolving, constantly moving. Um, you know, I mean, you'll hear a lot of the the great coaches. You know, Eddie Jones is famous for saying it. The game within rugby union. He's, come come to my training sessions. You can copy exactly what I'm doing now, but you know, give it a month, give it a week, give it whatever it might be. I'll change. I'll evolve. You know, I mean, mm. it's a, for Eddie, for all his faults within rugby union as well, he is probably more of the ball busting side of it. But he acknowledges that, you know, I mean, as you said, there's there is this need to evolve as a coach. There is this need to stay, you know, I mean, up to date with, you know, I mean, the athletes that are coming through and, and the ideas and the practices. And, and this is just from a, um, a psychological side, I'm sure, from a physiological side as well. You know, what I mean, there's, there's new ideas coming through as well. And it's, it's, you know, I mean, updating yourself and, and reading and being aware of what is out there and new ideas and, and what can be applied to your sport and trying them again, just trying them, talking to your athletes about it. You know, I mean, we'll want to try this. Do you think it will work? Yes, no. And again, getting that feedback, getting that honesty and, and creating that idea of, you know, essentially that, that safe space where we can try things to ultimately improve them as an athlete, improve ourselves as coaches. So, yeah. And I think it's really important to never underestimate the contribution of an athlete like if you actually ask for their opinion most of the time they do particularly the more high performance you go with an athlete the more opinionated and quite often they've been around a lot they've seen a lot and have really great ideas and you think wow why didn't I think of that yeah and 
and it's re- that's a really difficult one for our you know for this this transitional athlete as you said because they come from this school environment where it's very heavily prescribed obviously because of the you know i mean the, the education nature and whatever they got a, a curriculum to go through as an example but then you get these athletes and it's, you're, you're asking for their opinion and it's it's a it's a tough nut to crack you know what i mean i guess you've got to stay on it and, and, and keep asking and keep you know involving them in the decision process but as you said it's really really important because that feedback what they give you and, and again if you create an environment where they can stick their hand up um, and go hey look, this isn't right it's not working and whatever and be you know just be willing as a coach to go okay that's fair you know and let's move on let's try something different is is really important and really critical to as you said the development process so. now i'm going to go throw a little curveball in the mix here so i know you're very passionate about rugby union yes and there's been a lot of talk and research in recent years about the debate around specializing our kids at an early age should we specialize or should we not what are your thoughts on sports specialization um look i'm very much anti-specialization um and again look there's there's a lot of research a lot of data out there obviously for um the physiological um issues with specializing early you know i mean we're talking about you you can get certain um stress injuries or whatever it might be from you know i mean kids doing you know a lot of the same exercise absolutely overuse stuff and whatever but again we're talking uh, again from the 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 mental side of things like i love the idea of you know i mean seasons if kids could play you know i mean four or five different sports across seasons you know i mean every year until they're roughly about 15 16 years of age and then start to consider to specialize i think that's a much more wholesome way to do it because how do they know? You know, I mean, again, we, we, we see a bit of talent that, you know, I mean, at seven, eight, nine years of age and, and sort of push them down one avenue as well. But, you know, they could have, just because they're a good basketball player, they could be a good AFL player or, or you know, I mean, long distance runner as an example. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm generalizing based on, you know, the types of build that we, we get from yeah. our athletes. But look, yeah, again, and I just see from... And, and this is the idea for this transition athlete as well. Like the, there's so much focus and again, focusing on certain school competitions where, you know, I mean, they, they do have massive pre-seasons and massive expectations from um, both, you know, I mean, them as a playing cohort, but, you know, all boys coaching groups, whatever it might be. Um, and again, that, that there's so much pressure. And then all, when it's done, it's, it's, it's almost a relief. So, and it shouldn't be that, you know, I mean, it should, we should always be constantly allowing kids to try things and experiment things and grab stuff from all their sports and introduce them into new, you know, I mean, other sports as well. Um, so, but it, it, I guess it is hard. I understand, you know, I mean, for coaches to give that idea up, I was talking to a couple of swim coaches there last year and, and saying to them about this exact idea, you know what I mean? If they, if they've got say 10 or 12 weeks from a next big meet or something like that, why don't you encourage them to go, you know, play golf, play something else where they're still moving their body a bit, but it's in a different way. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Again, that especially within swimming, where it's very much, you know, you get into that water and you can't. Swimming goes with it's, burnout. It's just this. Oh, yeah, crazy. that's it. It's just, it's just, you know, I mean, it's all of us that they, they have to be in their own head and things like that. And, and again, the, the, the mental toughness that must come from that. But again, it's, it's, it can be a very, I imagine, a very isolating sport as well. So the idea where they could step into a team sport for a while and have a bit of enjoyment, but I know coaches are running organizations and, and you know, I mean, they, they, they have to, you know, ultimately the, the number of people that are involved in their clubs could have been important for them as well. But yeah, look, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very much against specialization. I, you know, I mean, I'd like to see it. Uh, I'd like, I'd love to see, I, I talked about it in the past, of, you know, I mean, where, 
say competitions below the age of 12 where there's no league tables we don't keep scoring again it's, you're, mm-hmm. you're just trying to get kids to play and you know i would love the idea of equal playing time you know whatever it might be you know and trying kids in different positions just to as this is within rugby union as an example just just to allow them to find their feet and allow them to to make sure that, you know essentially that they enjoy it as well so so yeah but again the the, the psychological and physiological you know issues with early specialization there's there's masses of research out there and i encourage people to go look at it for sure and i and i i know there's like definitive links between early specialization and the burnout factors that we we're talking about earlier and I, it would just be really interesting to look at the research in terms of like what you've been trying to look at and go, okay, when did you start playing rugby at what age, at what level? And then the ones mm. that are carrying on, are they the ones that specialised early or not? Yeah, that would be a good point. It'd be something really, but again, as you say, coming back to the burnout, the ideas of burnout, that devaluation of sport, the, the lack of motivation, lack of goals that are meaningful for them. As you said, if you're if you're within a job for a, you know, a particular period of time, you'll certainly start to feel those elements of burnout. So again, you know, introducing kids to this too early, as an example, you'll get exactly what you're talking about, these burnout symptoms. So yeah, it's a great point. It'd be something that I'm sure there is research out there and I encourage people to go find uh, it. I just, I, yeah. the more I learn, the more I ask questions, right? That That's, yeah. that's the way of a high performer, they say. So it's not a bad Absolutely. thing. So no, no. to final question, this is uh, the Purpose to Perform podcast. So we're all about high performance and getting people to high performance and their best performance. So what is high performance to you? Oh, wow. What a good question. Um, I guess for me, it's um, high performance as an athlete is um, engaging and performing to something that's meaningful for you for as long as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's, yeah, that's a way as a coach, uh, what's high performance? Um, high performance for a coach is creating an environment where um, athletes want to participate and develop in for as long as possible as well. Again, for me, it's 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 that idea of retention. You know, what I mean, yeah. like that's I guess that's that's high performance as an organization or as a sport should be trying to keep people involved in the sport. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean playing. It means even when they finish playing, they want to be involved as an administrator, a coach, a sponsor, whatever it might be. So, so for me, yeah, I, it, when we're talking about the idea of that, you know, high performance, yeah, it's it's keeping people involved in the sport for as long as possible. Hundred percent, and I hundred percent agree with what you're saying. And like for me, excellence is an art of habituation, and mm. high performance is excellence on repeat. So it's yeah. just whatever you're doing, That's just great. keep doing it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's that's a great way to look at it. That's cool. Well, thank you so much, Johnny, for being on the show. Really interesting chat. And I'm sure there'll be lots of questions about coaching and yourself. So I look forward to hearing more about your research in the future. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Before I go, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to a podcast and give it a rating. That way you won't miss out on the next episode. If you have feedback or an idea for our podcast, you can contact us at purpose, the number two, perform on Insta or Facebook or email purpose, the number two, perform at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Remember, performance is not a passive experience. This podcast is produced by the Brisbane Podcasting Centre. Thanks for listening.